From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. As unprecedented as the first nine months of 2020 were, it feels like we reached a whole new level this week. Early Friday morning, President Donald Trump tweeted that he and the First Lady tested positive for COVID-19 and are in quarantine. One of the president's top advisors, Hope Hicks, was the first person close to the president to test positive. That report came on Thursday night. The positive tests came on the heels of a debate between Trump and Democratic nominee Joe Biden, which was marred by frequent interruptions. Not to be lost in all the national news, Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Thursday announced restrictions on mail-in ballot drop-off locations and that poll watchers would be allowed to observe each location. To try to get a handle on all this, Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers this week will talk to Dallas Morning News Washington Bureau Chief Todd Gilman and Collin County Elections Administrator Bruce Sherbet. Before we get to those conversations, if you enjoy this podcast, help us out by liking, subscribing, and reviewing. We'll continue to bring you what you need to know ahead of Election Day. For example, our last two podcasts have featured conversations with House candidates in North Texas. Hear from District 32 Representative Colin Allred and his opponent Genevieve Collins, as well as Beth Van Dyne and Candace Valenzuela, who are running to fill the vacant District 24 seat. Now, on to Todd Gilman. He was at the debate in Cleveland on Tuesday night and joins Julian Gromer to discuss. Let's begin with this. I mean, this is breaking on Thursday. Obviously, this situation is changing quickly, but it affects so much with just a month before the election. It's hard to imagine President Trump pivoting uh, campaign-wise. Of course, everyone wishes him well. He is 74 and obese, although some of the White House doctors have argued about his BMI. But he is clearly in a risk category. He is robust and healthy, and we have to assume that he'll get through this okay. But a month before the election, where his whole campaign has hinged on his ability to generate excitement through gathering thousands of people at these rallies, he doesn't know or want to know how to campaign virtually. And his whole operation has been set up to avoid virtual campaigning like Biden's. He's made fun, he's mocked Joe Biden for hunkering down in his basement in Delaware uh, while he barnstorms and look how robust he is. He's going around the country and standing out in public and speaking. It is terrible timing for the Trump campaign. And Todd, describe the panic that must be going through Washington now, particularly for those who have been in the White House, have had access to the president and other staff members that may or may not be infected. It must be a real tense situation there. I mean, there's a lot of concern. I was on Air Force One a little over a week ago That's for a rally in Virginia. I haven't been around any of these people, but I know people who have, um, who were on a small Air Force One to New Jersey on Thursday. All of those people need to be tested. People who've been in the White House briefing room with Kaylee McEnany, who had been in uh, close quarters with Hope Hicks and with the president in previous hours. There's concern. I, I can't say that anyone in the press corps, at least, is shocked that this would happen because we've seen, and I'm sure the public has picked up on, an incredibly cavalier attitude at the White House from, from the head, uh, from the president on down, where they shun masks. They don't want to be seen as weak. The president has put enormous pressure on the people in his inner circle to project normalcy, to try to get the economy back on track and to get the electorate confident in his ability to lead through this crisis and, and try to pretend like the pandemic is behind him. It really sets everything back to see what an outbreak at what 
I at least, and I think a lot of my, my colleagues in the press corps, have always assumed was the most likely hotspot in the District of Columbia, the White House, where you just see staff walking around all the time, working shoulder to shoulder, and just utterly refusing to wear masks. Let's talk a little bit now about campaigning. I mean, President Trump is someone that likes rallies. He likes to campaign. He is sidelined for a period of time. How does he move forward? And do you think there will be more debates? Well, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure that the vice presidential debate will happen because as far as we know, Vice President Pence has tested po uh, negative while the president and first lady tested positive. And as far as we know, Pence and Trump have not been in close quarters with each other in recent days. I actually asked the president and vice president back in March when they were standing next to each other without masks at the White House if that was such a good idea and they poo-pooed it like oh no big deal what's the what's the problem so we'll see a vice presidential debate whether we see a presidential debate the next one is scheduled for october 15th i think really hinges on president trump's health it could be to his benefit i'm sure you've gotten these emails from friends and cousins and whoever speculating maybe this was all planned and it's a ruse and it's trump's way of getting out of these debates and trying to buy some sympathy i don't buy that that kind of speculation was actually going around weeks ago and as i said no one would have been surprised at any point this summer to find out that the president had developed COVID, but it puts an enormous crimp on, on President Trump's ability to campaign. And it completely undermines his argument that it's all under control and that he's robust and is doing the right thing while this guy over here, Joe Biden, is such a chicken that he won't even go out in public without a mask. And the president mocked Biden during the Cleveland debate for that exact thing. Three days later, he's testing positive for COVID. It just really undermines his argument for a second term and his rationale for the way he has handled this pandemic throughout the past several months. But what's unclear, Todd, is how voters will react to all of this, that the president has COVID-19. And he was already, it was already gonna be a referendum on his handling of the pandemic. Now what? Now, how will they view it? I don't know. Even more so is a, is a referendum on exactly that. But I think the real, the real impediment for Trump is regardless of whether he was trying to keep it as a referendum on himself or turn it into a referendum on Biden and the liberal policies and the path to socialism and all the arguments that he's been trying to make, he no longer has the opportunity to do that in nearly as effective a way because he will not be able to go out and campaign in public for at least two weeks. It's just an astonishing setback for, for the Trump campaign. Well, and also you have to look at the Biden campaign. Now we did see the former vice president. He did go to Michigan on Friday, but I am interested to see how they react to all this ahead. Right. Well, they're continuing to make the case and, and really this bolsters the vice president, former vice president's case that he has followed the science. He has followed the public health experts' advice by maintaining social distancing. All of those political events that Biden has done over the summer, which were a lot fewer in number than Trump did, that Trump made fun of because you saw people 20 feet apart, seated within drawn circles, wearing masks, the vice president himself wearing a mask. Trump was making fun of Biden for being so low energy and, and seeing so little enthusiasm for his campaign. Biden can now point to that and say, look, maybe I don't have huge crowds, but I don't have COVID either. 
you know, in a news cycle that has been moving quickly as it is, it may feel like a long time ago, but the debate was just last week. What are you expecting in the vice presidential debate after both candidates, I'm sure, watched what happened last week? Right. So that was an extraordinary presidential debate. No one has ever seen anything like that. People who have studied presidential debates going back to the first televised one in 1960 between Nixon and Kennedy said that it was the worst hour and a half of television in American history or world cosmic history. President Trump could not stop interrupting. It was a display that was unpresidential, as Biden put it, and Pretty much everyone put it, except for people who work for President Trump, who said the only problem was that the moderator kept interrupting him. The vice presidential debate will, as vice presidential debates always do, provide an enormous contrast. Cycle after cycle, and you, you remember this too, people come away from vice presidential debates and say, gee, they seem so much smarter and better prepared and more mature than the presidents. If only the running mates were at the top of the ticket. And I'm pretty sure that's the way this one's going to go, too, particularly because of what will be an inevitably sharp contrast to that Cleveland debate. Todd Gilman, as always, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you, and we really miss seeing you in person. Sure thing. Hope to see you soon. Monday is the deadline to register to vote in Texas, and early voting starts October 13th. On Thursday, Governor Abbott ordered counties close all but one location for in-person drop-off mail-in ballots and said poll watchers would need to observe activity at those sites. Abbott says the restrictions are an attempt to stop illegal voting, but civil rights groups say it's an attempt at voter suppression. In North Texas, Dallas and Tarrant counties each had just one drop-off location to begin with, but Harris County, which includes Houston, had 12 drop-off locations and will now have to close 11 of them. Bruce Sherbet oversees elections in Collin County, here he is with Julian Gromer. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, thank you. First of all, what is your reaction to Governor Abbott limiting mail-in ballot locations? It really doesn't affect anybody in the North Texas uh, area. It's really just Harris County and, and Travis County uh, affected by it. We all have just one location uh, in this area. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, tell me, Bruce, it's good to see you, by the way. It's been a while. Because of the pandemic, more mail-in ballots are expected than usual. Tell me about the situation in Collin County. What are you doing to make sure that the process is efficient and secure? Well, we're getting our ballots out as quickly as possible and, and literally just a one or two day turnaround from the application so that we can afford as much time as possible for the person receiving their mail ballot. The October 23rd is the deadline, but we're encouraging anybody that is going to vote by mail to get that application in as soon as possible so that we can get a ballot uh, mailed to them. The executive order the governor passed a month or two ago allowed for voters to hand deliver their voted ballot to the main location for the early vote. And so we're already seeing people come in. We're going to even try to curbside receive them from the voter bringing their ballot in so they don't even have to get out of their car. Bruce, you have any worries about the Postal Service being overwhelmed and that impacting what you do? We've been watching it very closely. And, and uh, as of uh, right now, at least, let's just say we're getting the mail to the applicant very quickly. Now, that could change as we get closer to the election. But as far as I can tell, 
everything's going fine at this moment. For the majority of Texans voting in person during a pandemic, what's being done for their safety? What should they expect when they come to the polls? Go to your polling place, you're going to see quite a few things in place for protection. For example, social distancing. We're trying to move our equipment around with some distance in between, maybe limiting some of the voters in the location uh, so that we have some space. We're also putting out sneeze guards or plexiglass shields between the check-in and the voters. We're doing everything we can. We're face masks, face shields, gloves. We have put all of the personal protection things that we can put in place for our polling places. Bruce, this is a presidential year. In normal presidential elections, turnout is a little bigger. How big do you expect turnout to be compared to previous presidential elections? We look at indicators, and those indicators are pretty solid evidence that uh, we're going to have a, a very good turnout this time. Indicators are your voter registration. We have 100,000 more registered voters in this county than we did four years ago. That's quite an increase. We're looking at absentee mail ballots being up about 40% in this county. We'll see when early voting starts. That's another indicator. We think we're going to have somewhere around 68, 69%. That's up from four years ago. And definitely an aggregate will be a record for this county. So registration ends Monday. If somebody hasn't registered, is there anything they can do at this late date to ensure their vote? Well, registration, uh, the cutoff is Monday, but as long as it's postmarked by October 5th, that's a valid voter registration application. The easiest way, if you can go onto your county election website, you can print out your application, sign it. You can even email that document, but it has to be followed up by a hard copy of the registration application within four days of you emailing it. That's the easiest way. We have registration going on at our offices. All of the offices for elections departments can accommodate you. And then there are 2,000 volunteer deputy registrars in this county that uh, would be available to maybe help you to get registered as well. Bruce, in a few moments we have left, you're a veteran elections administrator. When you hear predictions that the outcome of the presidential election may not be determined until weeks later, weeks after the election, maybe months. What do you think about that? Is that possible? Well, it's possible if uh, you can't start counting your mail ballots until Election Day or after Election Day. So I, I can tell you for Texas, I can speak for Texas that we have all the systems in place for our election departments to have their election results out probably later than usual, but sometime in the middle of the night, maybe uh, early next morning. We can start counting our ballots a little bit sooner than other states allow for that to take place. We have all the systems in place for not weeks after, but maybe a few hours later in getting the results out. But I will tell you, my concern is uh, we want to be accurate. We want to make sure that we've crossed T's and dotted I's and done whatever we need to do to uh, put out accurate and, and complete results. So if it's a little bit later, that should be okay. I don't think you're going to see significant delays in this state at all. Bruce Sherbet, Collin County Elections Administrator, thanks so much for joining us. For information on where to drop off your ballot in Collin, Dallas, Denton, and Tarrant counties, visit NBCDFW.com. Let's check back in with Julian Gromer one more time as we all try to wrap our heads around the last week. Okay, Gromer, what a week. I have to say that I'm very glad that you texted me last night or early this morning so that 
I knew what was happening. I got up. I was able to watch the news. I was able to do the morning show. I'm glad you texted me Thursday evening. How shocked were you? Well, I mean, we've been covering politics for a long time. Right. So nothing really shocks me. I was a little surprised at 1230 at night that all this was developing. And then, you know, as you know, we just go into news mode. Yeah. I got some calls from people across the country, and they were like, you know, wow. But... I don't want to say it was predictable because nothing like that is predictable. However, it's like mythology in a way because you have a president who has been trying to downplay the threat of COVID-19 in a way. He's been having huge rallies where people haven't been wearing masks. There's little to no social distancing. And as we, as we now know, that there weren't the needed precautions being taken to protect him even in the White House. So in a way, a lot of people aren't surprised that this happened, but yet when you think about it, the President of the United States, the most powerful office in the world, that person has COVID-19, it's kind of shocking, even though other world leaders have dealt with it as well. And it, what is also interesting is, and very sad for these people, is you see like Senator Mike Lee, then, right. you know, they were all, at, they were at an event, Ronna McDaniel, um, the head of the RNC, right. then the president of Notre Dame. I mean, three people diagnosed later in the day. So you wonder with this contact tracing what the effect is going to be. And just because somebody tests negative the next day doesn't right. mean it can't develop over the next few days. Yeah, which is part of probably what happened with the White House testing. I mean, you can go in there on a Tuesday and Wednesday and test negative, but on Thursday test positive or even be showing symptoms on Thursday. So, and this just shows you how difficult it is to bring this virus under control and what a challenge we have as a country and how you have to follow CDC guidelines and try not to let your guard down. And I bet as Americans, we all can point to times where we, we wish we had it back that we let our guard down. We think about it and we worry for a couple of days. Wow, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Well, you know? I mean, I think of when yeah. I, I use railings and when you go indoors and, you know, yeah. and we touched on this a little bit with Todd Gilman. The next debate is supposed to be a town hall format. Right. I don't know how they're able to do that 14 days later. I mean, the quarantine period is generally 10 to 14 days. Right. But they, I, I'm sure there will be people that will be nervous to put themselves in a group setting, no matter and, how socially distant you in, are. Including, including Joe Biden. Right. Sure. I'm sure that Joe Biden probably... Will, will, will he show up for a debate where it's the same day or the last day when, of the president's quarantine if you follow CDC guidelines? Will he, well, will he do it? Or I mean, will you know? the commission actually say, right. we can't do this because of that? Yeah. We still don't know for certain, you know, six feet, right, of social distancing is a guideline, right? But we know when choirs sing, right, there is believed that when they're belting out things that the virus could travel a certain distance. No one knows for sure. What about yelling at each other? At, 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 at a, on the base stage, sure. Yeah. Which was what we saw last week, right? I mean, that, that's what was going on. So it's just a, a strange year, another part of a strange year. And, and Julie, what happens with the rest of the campaign? 
Yeah, it's going to be. I, 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 a month out. I mean, the what president really is a big in-person campaigner. He loves it. I mean, yeah. he he loves the rallies. Uh, Joe Biden did decide to travel today or Friday. Um, and before we wrap up here, let's wrap it up with Texas a little bit. The mail-in ballots, one location per county. Now we heard Bruce Sherbert said that it doesn't affect us in North Texas because there was only one. Right. And but Harris County and other counties. Travis, I mean, Harris. Yeah, yeah. Travis. It's. But, but more than that, uh, the sort of what surprised me was it looks like, I mean, you, you leave yourself open if you're the governor, if you're Greg Abbott, to charges of voter suppression. So I was surprised by that, that he, he made that step because of that, because it's something, I mean, well, and it, then, it seems unnecessary to, so, to sort of have that kind of restriction. And then it becomes a national story. Yeah, it, it, exactly. You know, it, then it becomes yeah. a national story, and so there's political futures here too. You know, and this is going to be the most watched, the most scrutinized election probably since 2000, Gore versus Bush. And so, if possible, you need to side on, you need to fall down on the side of voting and helping the voter cast a ballot. Anything else, it looks like you're trying to suppress the vote. And so, I would urge politicians to always, always side on getting the voter to the polls and getting those votes counted. Well, Gromer, let's hope that there's no reason to text it. First of all, you can text me anytime you want. I don't care. You can text, you can call. Um, but, you know, when I saw that text from you yeah. about the president's condition, I mean, you know, I... What a year, though, Julie. I mean, we've had... Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just... Uh, you oh, talked nice. about the O'Rourke Cruz debate. Right. That was two years ago. It was. It, was. it feels like yesterday. I know this 2020 and uh, will rival 1968 in in terms of uh, the news events and the, how tumultuous yeah. the, the year was. So, we'll hopefully things will get better. Though. All right, partner. I'll All see right. you next week. Take care. Take yourself. care. Right, Be safe. And we urge all of you to be safe and take care of yourselves as well. Thanks to Todd Gilman and Bruce Sherbet for joining us this week. Stay up to date with everything related to Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.